Hey, what's up? This is your host, Kat Jones. Today is March 13th, 2020. I really still can't stick a dismount on Queer All Year. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. Like I said, this is Kat, and I am joined, as always, by my bro and sound producer and co-host and whatever titles I continue to give him, uh, Mick G. Hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista. Why do we like Schwarzenegger so much? Not sure. I think uh, he's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't looking. like him, but... I don't know. Um, he's he's muscly, got a funny accent. You... Um, I wouldn't think we would elect him as a governor. I mean, I we didn't, but strange be a governor, maybe. But yeah, I, is he a uh, good governor? Well, I don't really know. I mean, it didn't seem like... California's doing that great. Well, yeah, but California, I think we're talking about California. Yep, we're going to talk about California today. That would be a good segue, but I'm not doing a segue right now. I guess in his defense, who is doing great? Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, Laura Kelly's trying to do good stuff. Yeah, I uh, saw her the other day at uh, Ramada for the Kansas Democrats Association. And she used to live around here, right? Yeah, she we lived in Baldwin. She just... She's not the one who babysat us. She she? either just put her house on sale or she just sold it. But she's uh, obviously not living in Potwin now that she's the governor. Who was the one who babysat us? Uh, Kathleen Sebelius. Oh, Kathleen Sebelius. She would come and, um, uh, well, I don't know if that's true, but she would always come and, like, help Dad with the flowers. And, um. Huh, I don't remember much of this at all. We do, I don't know. They're both technically family friends, I guess you could say. Yeah. We got In some any clout. Case, we were babysat by the United States Secretary of Health. And I don't remember if that's a good thing to tell people or not. There's your... She was pretty good. Taxpayers' decent. money right there. Uh, going to a, like a lady that we like who ba- babysat us? No, I'm Kansas? saying they went to our child care. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> was she in office with anything then? Um, I have no idea. I know she was a businesswoman or something. Anyway, Kathleen Sebelius, 2020. Yeah, we have uh, just uh, burst the bubble on this hot lead. Yeah. Mm, we should have used our clout to get health care, free health care. Yeah. I don't know. She probably supported it. Who knows? Something will happen. What are we talking about? Oh. Well, let's go on. <laughs> hey, G. Uh, what's up? How many presidents of the United States have been impeached? Maybe like uh, three or four. I don't really even know. What were Um, their names? um, So you had Daffy, (laughs) Donald, Mickey, and uh, uh, Johann Strauss. Sure. There have been two. Oh. um, Who do you think they are? Which two of those were right? Or which two weren't right? Well, I mean, well, you could call them all Daffy, <laughs> I suppose. Um, okay, all right. So I know that... All right, so... Yeah, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, Nixon didn't actually get impeached. He resigned before he could be impeached. True. They brought up articles of impeachment or whatever, but they didn't pass them or something. Okay. Bill Clinton did get impeached. Yes. And Trump did and did get impeached. No, Trump didn't get impeached. Yeah, he did. No, they brought impeachment charges but they weren't wait no no they brought impeachment charges and they weren't like 
But that was the biggest thing. Yes, he was. No, okay, right. Yes, he was. He wasn't... um, He wasn't... What is the word I'm thinking of? Convicted, or he wasn't removed from office. That's what I was... That's the words I was thinking of. Don't you be throwing things on me like I'm some kind of Daffy Duck man. Okay, fine. Daffy. (laughs) Who who was the other one? Oh, I, I thought you said it was just... Wait. Didn't you say two? I said two. And that... So Trump... Okay, wait. So now there's three. Clinton and Trump... And then, like, before that, it was, like, Woodrow Wilson or something? No. No? Who is it? Andrew Johnson. Oh. Who no one's heard of, I guess. On Today in History, he was impeached, I believe. Was it today? Nope. You know what? What do you do? It is for today. He begins this impeachment trial. I have been trying kind of to figure it out, like, not super hard. Uh, Oh, he opposed the 14th Amendment, which would give citizenship to former slaves, and then conflicts between the branches of government grew, and Congress passed laws to restrict his ability to fire cabinet members. Wow, so he was going crazy. And then he tried to dismiss Secretary of War. He tried to dismiss the Secretary of War, and then so they impeached him. But then then. they acquitted him. Well, good for him, I guess. Okay, cool. His opposition to rights for African Americans in the aftermath of the Civil War is widely criticized, and he is generally regarded as one of the worst presidents in American history. Was he the the uh, succession to Lincoln? No, he was the. Uh, oh wait, the succession. He his uh, press, press. He was Lincoln's or, vice president. Um, I, yeah, I think so. He was preceded by Lincoln, and then succeeded by succeeded succeeded <laughs> by um, Ulysses S. Grant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, that was yeah, a candidate. I know who you're talking about. I, um, I don't. I don't know who I'm talking about. I just know he was impeached on this day, or impeachment was brought against him. Something like that. I think he also um, formed a pack of wolves and murdered children in the middle of the night. I mean, I'd believe it. I'd believe pretty much anything you tell me that happened in the 1800s. That was an insanity place. Speaking of California... Today in history, there was a failed assassination attempt against Hitler. It was the famous uh, Operation Flash. It was a bomb plot on a plane, Um, but unfortunately, the bomb did not go off because uh, uh, as the altitude went up in the plane, it was too cold for the explosive to go off, and Hitler landed safely. Well, I see your Hitler landing safely, and I raise you the Nazis liquidating the Jewish ghetto in Krakow and Oskar Schindler getting advance information and saving his workers. Also in California? Um, <laughs> n- no. I, guess I don't not. know why we were doing that. Speaking, but... <laughs> speaking of California, <laughs> Hitler, but then also Oskar Schindler. So, spe- um, so in California, uh, Governor... Uh, gosh, it was 1984. The governor, Duke, Gov- George Duke Magian, du- 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 Duke, California, what the heck? I'm trying to make Duke, it's, it's D E U K M E J I A N. What do you think, Big G? Uh, Menage a Trois? No, that's, yeah, that'll be appropriate. Duke Magian. Now that I'm back over by the microphone, I can give you a more proper thing. Um, Maybe we should stop recording and Google for half a second. Okay, so we're back and we Googled. And it is Duke Magian. 
I believe is what it sounded like. That's what we were able to sound out a bit. We looked at several sources. I support sources. this. Yes. Duke Magian. Or Duke Magian, according to one website. And I think we're not going to go with that one. Yeah, the all caps way is not always the best way. Yeah, and he was screaming it in a weird accent that is not even related to anywhere the name Duke Magian comes from. So, um, governor of California, George Duke Magian on today in 1984, vetoed a bill that would have prevented discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. And I did not say where discrimination, but uh, it was definitely in employment and housing um, and something else. I didn't write it down. That's too bad, but we know what it means. He, it was a, a bill that would have stopped discrimination in the public sec- private sector. Just shut up anyway so the reason he gave was that a person's sexual orientation should not be the basis for the establishment of a special protected class of individuals which is crappy to begin with but um i really think he had a week to look at the bill on his desk and decide to sign it or veto it and he was just kind of sitting there looking at it and within that week he got 100,000 calls and letters from um, Christian groups and um, like individual Christian people, but then also egged on by these big Christian organizations that were, they were like, you know, I don't know what the word is, almost flash mobbing, but that's not the word. Just 100,000 calls and letters in a pre-internet time. So this was spreading across this huge state like crazy and so finally i really think that's the point where he decided that a person's sexual orientation is not a special protected class of individuals which is insane 1984 like dude that is so after california started becoming like at least in parts very accepting and having fun and all that kind of thing. And it's still 1984. That's not that long ago, but I guess that's about when those laws were being passed. Ha, I don't know. California, you are very strange. You know, you're very liberal um, often, but then you've got like Prop 8 and then this thing vetoed. Like your Christians are very, very out at the polls, which I support everyone being out at the polls you know vote how you feel but um also be maybe a little more woke and accepting of people at the polls so california you know go go get your kids out voting register to vote this kind of stuff well this had nothing to do with voting this had to do with a hundred thousand calls and letters so call your governor and your representatives and you know like i've said in the past just Call people over and over and over and just be real annoying because most of the time it's not going to change anything. It did here, but you're just going to be annoying, which is fun because if you can't make a difference, then we should at least be not making a difference and annoying the heck out of people who have the power to do it because then they're annoyed. So anyway, here's a little segment with McGee. Hey, 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 McG is here today, and if you stay, things are gonna get funky.
Today's segment is one of the great underrated guitarists in the world, Eddie Hazel. The guitarist known for his work with Funkadelic slash Parliament, Hazel is arguably the most soulful and brilliant guitarist of the late 60s and 70s. I suppose a reason he doesn't get the recognition he deserves is that he shared a stage along with bona fide superstars, George Clinton and Bootsy Collins. Uh, there are many people now that regard Hazel as essentially the extension of Jimi Hendrix. Jimi died and Eddie Hazel picked up from where he was. Thousands of guitarists have spent millions in equipment and man time attempting to recreate the Jimi sound. Who knew he was playing with Funkadelic the whole time? One of the most beautiful pieces of guitar work ever written has a uh, dark story behind it. During the recording of Maggot Brain, frontman George Clinton took Eddie aside and told him that his mother had just passed away. Clinton told him, Do this for your mother. And then Eddie Hazel walked into the booth and recorded the most sincere, soul-wrenchingly beautiful guitar solo, in my opinion, ever recorded. Eddie's pain came flowing through his guitar, as screams turned to wails turned to blinding guitar virtuosity. It was clear in the room. In this one take, Eddie had created a masterpiece. After Hazel walked out of the booth, George came up and promptly uh, assured him that his mother was not in fact dead and was in fact alive and well. And uh, for unfor for you know strange reasons, I, don't, I can't really tell why, the band later broke up for uh, personal disputes. Anyway, Eddie Hazel is amazing. I'm McGee, and this is a little segment. Awesome. Back to me. Okay. We are going to talk about a documentary that is um, both highly, highly, highly regarded and a little controversial for um, several different reasons. And I really enjoy um, talking about the reasons it's controversial. Boy, can I talk today? Controversial. So what we're talking about is Paris is Burning. And in 1991, it had its New York release date on March 13th, and this was its first non-festival release. So prior to that, you had to be able to attend a festival somewhere in the world, um, and now you just had to be in New York. And it was released worldwide later. Don't remember. No, November? Anyway, so it, this is a, a documentary about the New York City drag ball culture focusing on um, specifically the African-American and Latino uh, gay and transgender communities involved um, and the lives and kind of coping mechanisms and um, families and all that that they um, had to build in order to live in this world where predominantly white, you know, was still better considered by the community, even the LGBT community. It's, you know, been a struggle this whole time and still continues to be. So this documentary 
uh, was filmed from the mid to late 80s. And so you see the culture of that time. And it was a lot. It was like embedded in the ball culture and the kind of like the class um, class disparities and all that that they were looking at. Um, It's wide, wild, widely. Something's wrong with me today widely considered one of the best and most important documentaries about the queer culture. Um, It's not entirely lauded across the board, but it is in the Criterion Collection, I believe. It's gotten a lot of awards and it's been preserved in a lot of different places that preserve important films. So um, it's it's very in there. It's very embedded and it addresses... Things like race, gender, class disparities. Um, Topics um, that they talk about are like AIDS, homophobia, racism, all that kind of thing in real time. So it's like as it's going on with these people that they're interviewing and the culture of growing families um, and taking on family names, that kind of thing. If you haven't seen the documentary, it talks a lot about... um, the role of families that are built within the drag community. And I personally don't have any sort of um, personal experience or, you know, um, knowledge, I guess, kind of, of that kind of thing. It's just so enlightening and so um, much deeper than it kind of sounds, I suppose. You know, in the in the queer community, we do often talk about how Um, family is the family you choose and your friends or your family, if your real family won't, um, accept you or take you in that kind of thing. So you don't feel attached to people who are, you know, abusive to you or something like that. Um, in the drag community, I'm not sure if this is still true. Like I said, this isn't something I have experience with, but in the drag community, uh, they have created these actual families. So like family names and you have like someone specifically who's, you know, a, you know, taking care of everyone. Everyone's kind of taking care of each other, of course. But, you know, there's the person who started the house, that kind of thing. Um, really all I can compare it to, and this isn't even remotely close, but to help uh, people who maybe don't know understand the concept maybe it's kind of like how i've experienced sorority life and i you know like i said this is not a perfect comparison but i know a lot of people who are or were in sororities that this would kind of help explain i can't talk about frats Uh, i think it it's similar for frats but it's not at all so in sorority houses you know the house would be kind of the house name kind of in comparison and we have a house mother who um kind of makes sure everything's done and then is also an adult who's there to stop us from being crazy um and also just kind of like the chaperone almost to make sure boys don't come in i'm sure it's different in other sororities my sorority at Baker University was extremely, um, we adhered extremely close to what our national headquarters wanted us to be. So this is the ideal 
I'm sure it's, I know it's not because I was a FIMU and a FIMU made that horribly racist letter that we all heard about several years ago. So I'm telling you my experience. And then in the house, you have um, your house mother or the house mom. And then you have your direct mother. Um, and I'm not sure we're supposed to call them bigs and they, you would be their little, but it's mom and dot, at least in FIMU. And so at least, at least where we didn't follow that, whatever. Um, so it's kind of like that structure, you know, like your family or friends and you kind of decide with a person whether or not they're, you know, in your family kind of. So anyway, that's how I understand it in my very, very not at all comparable way. (laughs) So, um, the... Um, different types of queens that they talk about is really interesting. I didn't know, um, about the different types of drag, the different types of queens. Um, the, uh, one thing I really love is, um, exploring the aspect of, um, drag that explores gender and gender presentation and identity expression, that kind of thing. I'm always really into that because I took way too many, like, um women's studies type classes, which this isn't, obviously, but women's studies will have you read a lot of studies about drag and whether it's feminine or not. Feminine. Feminist. I can't talk today, y'all. I think I'm having a stroke. Um, One of the interviews they did, which is exceptional because uh, it was with Dorian Corey, and she later died not too long later, I think, so it's really great that they got this interview um but they did an interview with her and about how she fit into the community and learned a lot of I learned a lot of stuff just from hearing her talk they spoke about um voguing and how everyone thinks they didn't talk about this but I know that everyone thinks Madonna created the vogue and that the queer community picked it up but no, the queer community invented voguing and Madonna was like, oh, this is cool. And if you don't know what voguing is, it's about dancing when you um, hold a pose like you're being photographed for the cover of Vogue. Um, and voguing is represented really well in her video, her music video for that. So you can check that out. I really like how this is a documentary that was filmed you know, while it was happening. It's not like looking back at the past. And that's a really important thing for people who haven't experienced the New York City drag culture or drag culture in general. And also people kind of my age and younger, of course, who don't really have firsthand experience and never will be able to with with that type of um ball culture and you know it's just it's changed since then I don't think it's changed to be you know unrecognizable but it's just a it was a time in the world that you can't really explain to people to have them picture it well enough so this documentary is I think really important for you know the future I think it's a historical archive type thing and that's how it fits into our history podcast um there's you know like i said significant academic debate 
uh, especially around the topic of misogyny in drag, which really does reduce it down to one thing. You know, it reduces the entire culture into whether it's misogynistic or not. One of my gender studies classes had a section on feminist literature on both sides of the argument. Um, Personally, I really like having that kind of discussion because I think drag is um, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty in favor of drag on a feminist level, just for several reasons that are, it's, we've been going too long for me to talk about them. I'll be happy to talk about them in the Facebook group or something. But what I am proposing, what I propose to McGee, is that we do an episode where we will watch the documentary separately, take notes, and then come back and have an episode where we talk about what we learned or what we thought about each part of it. You know, kind of like kind of like True Crime Obsessed podcast. I think it sounds kind of interesting, so I'm, I'm in. Awesome. Yeah. Didn't you say it's on Netflix? I believe it's Netflix or Prime. I think it's Netflix. Oh, so something we have. It's out there streaming somewhere. I will stream it. If not, I will find it somewhere. It's out there somewhere. Indeed. So we don't have a date set for that yet because our, our lives are insane, but we will let you know when we're going to drop it, I suppose. Indeed. Okay. So um, I think it's about time to do some housekeeping and all that. So uh, we'll start out with our Facebook page. That's Queer All Year. You can also, for more in-depth uh, discussion with us, you can join the Queer All Year Mafia. Mafia. It's super cool. You can uh, tell us that we suck or whatever. And talk about or, feminism. Yeah, mm. that yeah. Also, you can join in on extortion and bootlegging. Um, Allegedly. Yeah. I mean, it's... You know, keep on the download. Don't say yeah. it on a podcast keep or anything like that. Keep it in like La that. Familia. What's but, the word for that? Don't talk about it. La Familia. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Um, moving on. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, so we can get on Insta, Twitter, the Twittergram. Twinstagram. Twinstagram. Well, we can't steal that from. Um, someone came up with that and it's cool. Um, all right. So, Queer All Year Pod is Instagram and Twitter. Both of those have the same one. You can go to patreon.com slash queer all year to get all kinds of bonus episodes. Be a supporter um, of us if you believe we, in us. Yes. Uh, we have um, bloopers. We've got music. We've got our theme song ringtone. Um, but otherwise, uh, it this is how we managed to keep the podcast going, hosting sites and stuff like that. We just had one amazing patron that uh, is has asked to main, remain anonymous, but we will shout your name out if you want to, mm-hmm. uh, and probably and, yeah, send you a T-shirt. If we get, yeah, when we get T-shirts, indeed. Hopefully, we need to start saying funny things. We can put up T-shirts. Yeah, we we've got some funny things, like Germinal. Germinal. Our mom liked Germinal. <laughs> right. We should put that on a shirt. My mom liked Germinal. <laughs> yeah. My mom likes my podcast. <laughs> Get on the Queer All Year Mafia and tell us if you want to have a mom-themed Germinal shirts. What if we just have a, a a line of shirts that are like my mom blank? Like our mom, um, what did she like? Oh, our mom corrected us about our grandfather segment. Huh. Kind of thing. No um, one else would like I, those that. things might exist. Remember that shirt we got that says "Your mom is a waffle maker." Oh, I've heard it. Is 
I owned it. I got it at a thrift shop oh, on yeah. one of those trips. It was trips. that mythical thing that I don't think I ever got to see, but everyone told me about. My phone had a picture of it. But, um, yeah, your mom's a waffle maker. All right. It's now in Goodwill. Or maybe someone's closet. Someone else's mom is a waffle maker now? Yeah. Cool. Anyway. Subscribe? Subscribe wherever you are. Subscribe and rate and review. It helps us out so much. It helps people find it and... You know, if you leave a review with your rating, it also helps um, us learn what you like and what you don't like and what you want other people in the world to know about us. Yeah, so we like seeing that kind of thing. Is that... That's about it, right? I think that uh, about wraps her up. Okay, well, we're excited to talk to y'all on social media and we're excited to hear what you have to say about Paris' burning because I know everyone has seen that or needs to. And above all, we love you.